if the most interesting thing about you is the fact that you're male or female right or you know mm. black or white if that's the most interesting thing about you yeah then you're a boring twat <laughs> you yeah, know what right, i mean right, if that's right. all you've got to talk about like yeah. what are you doing with your life yeah yeah i'm in a priv privileged position to say those things so openly because i am mixed race mm. and i'm a woman so it's almost like i get to say it Laura Bartlett, hey. welcome to the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. Delighted to have you on the show. We've only recently become acquainted. I've looked at your story with great interest, particularly the Dragon's Den, but it's not all about that. Let's uh, delve deep. But before we do that, tell the audience what you do now. So I am the founder of House of Coco, which is a luxury print travel magazine sold nationwide across the UK since 2014. I'm also director at a company called Swerf, which is an app which connects remote workers with welcoming spaces to work from. And I do presenting sometimes. I've been mm. doing some work with the BBC recently, filming a pilot of, as a food presenter and just like living my best life, basically. Wow. Well, that's, that's an eclectic mix of, of stuff there. House of Coco, it was called something else before that. Let's let's go into that. It was kind of. So my previous company was called Urban Coco, which was a Leeds-based fashion magazine. And that's the business that I took on to Dragon's Den. Mm. And I'm sure we'll delve deeper into the story later. But I ended yeah. up, that company failed. I ended up getting made bankrupt, mm -hmm. lost all my money, and wow. then started House of Coco in a coffee shop bankrupt with this wild idea that I could own a luxury travel magazine and have a team of people who would travel the world living the best lives. Mm. And that's what I've been doing for the last nine years. Because, you know, everything seems to be online these days. And I, I, I did see the, the Dragon's Den episode and they tore into you a little bit. Um, but one of the things that struck me was, apart from the, all the other stuff that they said, was I think it was Piers that said that um, everyone's going from uh, you know, the hard copy to online, but you, you, you're obviously promoting a, a hard copy magazine. Why is that? And uh, how's that gone? Well, it's gone great because we're still doing it 10 years later. I'm mm. also a huge believer that when you see the bandwagon, it's too late. So at that time and still to this day, everybody is going all in on digital. There's just yeah. so much noise online. Yeah. It's really hard to stand out. Whereas we still champion print. There are less magazines on the newsstands. We are right. increasing our readership year on year. We sit alongside Condé Nast Travel, Vogue, all the big boys. So it means we've got more opportunity to stand out. Also, our audience are very much millennials, luxury travellers, and you want to kind of sit with a magazine and have a cup of tea and mm. have some me time where you just switch off from the world. And I think that's what a print magazine gives you. Yeah. And because, like I say, it's been growing year on year, it just makes sense to keep doing it. So that's amazing. So talk to us about that growth thing, because it's a very publishing is a very competitive industry. How have you got it on onto the stores or whatever it is. How have you, how have you done that? Really? So we work with a distributor. So for mm. the first seven years, we were only distributed in London. So places like Harrods, Selfridges, tube stations, airports, right, okay. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you just build up your um, sales just through marketing. We sold out every single issue. Wow. And then a few years ago, we expanded nationwide. Yeah. And we also have an online stockist who distributes the magazine worldwide as well. So our we were distributed on newsstand and they sell 3,000 different titles. And I think we're the second largest seller on there. Mm. So, yeah, it's just... So how many do you actually sell then? What's the numbers? Altogether, we're at 85,000 print copies now. Yeah. 
And we also have the digital version of the magazine in the App Store where we've just had 140,000 wow. uh, downloads. And what's the plan for it then overall? Um, I mean, I don't know if I should share the real plan because <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know if I want to put it out there yet, but I will because I just can't help but tell the truth. My The plan is I'm actually going to exit the company next year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I had some offers last year and it was worth way more than I ever anticipated. I never started this with the vision of exiting the company. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, 10 years ago, I just wanted to have fun and I've had an incredible life. I've seen over 40 countries. I've created... Mm amazing memories with my family and my friends and my team. And yeah, now I'm just on this kind of last push to get to the sort of seven figure exit mark. Oh wow, congratulations. And then I'll be uh, having a day off. What are you going to do with your life? You, you normally got your fingers in some sort of pies. Yeah, you? I mean, everyone always says, oh, what are you going to do next? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think we have to have it all worked out. No, no. I just feel like if this is my brain, House of Coco takes up such a huge part of my brain yeah. that until that has been removed, I don't know what I'll do next. Sure. But I'm a massive believer that mm. I'm always exactly where I'm supposed to be and what is meant for me will not pass me by. So I've got to say, I'm struck by your kind of drive, your your vivacious, infectious kind of personality. Have you always had this kind of entrepreneurial spirit inside you, would you say? 100%. Yeah. I had two very vivid thoughts at the age of 15 where one was, I know everything there is to know. I couldn't possibly know anymore. Fortunately, I quickly learned I was not wrong. <laughs> was a little bit early at 15, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sort of got my ego in check after that. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing was very vivid that I knew at that age I would have my own business. So I always knew that I'd work for myself. Right. I didn't know that it would be a magazine. I didn't know it would be okay. doing what I'm doing, but I knew without a shadow yeah. of a doubt that this is what I would That do. really resonates with me because I, I built a massive multi-million pound business. I've done a deal with a dragon as well, which we'll talk about uh, separately. But from a very young age, even before 15, even at school, I always had this vision that I would be running a business. I didn't know what it was and kind of like I didn't necessarily set horizons or standards. I got to like 5 million, 10 million, 15. And it was just like, I just thought anything was possible. And I think, I think people say it, it takes a certain person to be an entrepreneur. And I really believe that. I really, really believe that because I thought everybody could do it, mm. but not everybody should want to do it either. I do think yeah. some people say, oh my God, it's so hard. I don't find it hard. I find it exactly what I expected it to be. Yeah. And I've loved the journey. I love the highs. I love the lows. Yeah. It's the lows where we really get to be those true entrepreneurs sure. and put into practice all the things that we've learned. But for me, I don't know any other way. And this is just what I will do for the rest of my life yeah. in different formats. As you've just touched on there, I'm going to ask you about your journey now. Online, social media is very good at giving people a perception of what the reality is, but the reality is always different. So paint us a picture of your journey, including the highs and the lows, the despair, the trauma, the difficult times. We don't want to know the, just the good stuff, right? But I know for a fact that, um, you know, life's been hard for you as well, right? Yeah, I, I've had the most incredible life. I've mm. been so blessed. I'm really lucky to have amazing parents and my brother. And we always said we're the four corners of a square holding each other together. And I've just been loved unconditionally since the day I was born. And I think that's yeah. why I knew I could 
be free to kind of do whatever I wanted to do in my life because it didn't matter. My parents would still love me. I didn't have to prove myself or anything like that. Yeah. I say there's a few poignant times in my life. So one of them was when I was eight years old and my mum woke me and my brother up and she sat us on her knee and she said, Gavin's gone and he's not coming back. And he was our cousin and we were really close to him and he was 14 years old. Yeah. And he'd been hanging out with his friends and he was supposed to go home at 8 p.m. But at 8 p.m. he rang his mum, my auntie, and he said, can I stay out for one more hour? hour and in that hour he fell 50 feet through a roof and he died so from that day on like my mum and dad were always really protective anyway but it was nothing mattered as long as we were alive and we were happy Mm. so it wasn't about going to university it wasn't about grades in school it was like as long as you are alive and you are happy so I think that's how I ended up kind of going off to work for myself Mm. um I actually launched my first company when I was like 20 21 called Handbag Heaven, which was selling handbags. And I absolutely loved it. Back in the day when having a thousand followers on Facebook meant a thousand people would actually see your content. Right. And then I had a shop in Birmingham, then realized retail wasn't for me, started my magazine. And then, yeah, I touched on it slightly, went on Dragon's Den, got annihilated by Peter Jones, Mm. went on to prove them wrong, launched the magazine all over the world. And then the same year I lost all my money and got made bankrupt, company went into liquidation. But even when all those things happened, I remember having to drive home from this event when I realized it was kind of the end of the road. And once I got home and I saw my family, it was like, fuck it, it's only money. Like Mm. these things don't don't matter. Mm. I'm healthy, my family are well. So that's kind of just like the way I've always lived my life. And then two and a half years ago, I had just ended my engagement, just wasn't happy in the relationship, realized I was a Mm. lot happier before he came into my life. And at the time I was living in this kind of massive house, um, what, you know, society would deem had made it, Uh, you know, had a home gym, I had a cleaner that I'd come every week and I'd not even used half the house. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. And I just woke up one day and I thought, this is not my version of happiness. So I just like laid on the bed and I was like, what do I want to do with my life? Mm. And I had this like random epiphany that I should move to LA. So I went round to my parents' <laughs> house. And I'm like, I'm going to move to LA. They were like, do it. So I sold all my furniture, no booked a one-way ticket to LA on the 10th of August and yeah. went back home to my parents for five weeks. And in that five weeks, my dad passed away. Really unexpected. And at the same time, I got really ill. I lost my eyesight. Yeah, it was just the most tragic time. Mm. Um, So instead of planning a trip to LA, I was in fact planning my dad's funeral. So of all the things I've been through in my life, nothing comes close to grief. Losing your dad. Losing my dad. Of course, of course. I mean, some huge things there, obviously the bankruptcy, the, the, the dragon's den thing, the building the business, the moving to LA and your, your father passing. Do you ever actually stop and feel these emotions and it feels like you're um, a million miles an hour and that's we've just commended that having that drive and what i'm trying to say is that when i when i was building my business i was 99.9 percent focused on the business all i cared about was the next thing and i lost relationships i lost i wasn't in touch with myself i didn't love myself i just and i and when i lost it all it was that was the wake-up call for me to go hang on a second i've got to do some inner work so what, at what point have you, was, was it the, the passing of your dad or when did you start to think, hang on a second, or, or was it even when your cousin died at eight, but you didn't know how to actually do that sort of personal development looking at yourself, do you know what I mean? I think that 
the reason I can sit here today and, and be the person that I am and have found happiness again after losing my dad is because I'd say I've probably been on a personal development journey my whole life. Mm. I, you know, people read The Secret or they read these books. And I'm, I remember reading The Secret when I was 17. And I thought, I thought that's how everyone thought. Like, right. that's how my brain works okay. anyway. You know, I've lived in a constant state of gratitude. I'm so grateful yeah. for my loved ones, my life, the things that I've had. Mm. And I think in order to heal, you have to feel. So through the course of the last two and a half years, I have very openly spoken about my grief journey through social media, through, you know, face-to-face -face with my friends and my family. Um, one of the side effects of losing my dad was that I also lost my hair. So I was blonde for 20 years and I felt like my hair defined me as a person right. because people would say, oh, it's Laura you with a big blonde your hair. hair. Like half of it. Okay. So it was like, tiny little bit wow. of hair okay. um and through you know quitting alcohol a year ago um yeah. being healthier i've lost three stone yeah um my hair's grown back in abundance <laughs> clearly yeah. we can all see that it's <laughs> amazing hair thanks um but yeah all of this is because i yeah, I've allowed myself the time to heal mm. and I'm massively into meditation. I've just passed 50,000 hours of wow. meditation yeah. and I've done that pretty much every single day for the last seven years, mm. but I've meditated a lot longer than that. So I think yeah. all of these sort of little things, I was thinking about it just yesterday, actually, yeah. all of these little tools and rituals and things that I've done for such a long period of time mm. were setting me up for yeah. the period of time that I would lose my dad. So yeah. for the first sort of eight to 10 months after losing dad, I didn't really do any work. I have a great team within the business. So everyone handled everything. So I could have that time off to just mm. like try and work out what life even is anymore. Yeah. Um, and then slowly kind of got back into things. And I'd say for the last sort of year, I've well, since the start of this year, I'm finally, I've got my drive back and I'm excited about things. Yeah. But yeah, the sort of year and a half prior to that, it was just sort of plateauing. It's interesting what you said there. It's almost like you, you said that all the events that's happened before your father passed away and the personal development was 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 gearing you up for that event. That strikes me as someone you believe that in destiny and things are set out for you and, and spiritual, that kind of stuff. And I'm a firm believer that sometimes the adversity that we have and stuff we go through through it is it is kind of setting us up for the for the next to be able to then manage the next event i am like a huge believer in all of that and so um my parents and my brother we believe mm. we're a soul family and we're connected forever yeah. and that this passing of my dad is just um, you know momentarily because we will be reunited in spirit world or whatever you know afterlife whatever you believe in but i believe that this isn't this is the end of our physical journey together but not the end of our so like talk us talk connection. us through, please, in terms of the grief. How was that? How did you get through that? What did you do to get through it? What was the initial kind of thing that happened in terms of your feelings? And well, the initial thing is just a darkness that is inexplainable, and I was not suicidal at all. I've never had a suicidal thought, mm. but if I didn't wake up the next day, I wouldn't have been bothered. That's how I felt. Yeah. I didn't understand. It was almost like I'd been living this like, la, 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 life's amazing. Everything's great. Yeah, and course. then the curtain had been lifted and I'd seen the darkness of what the world was. And I just couldn't believe that I would ever feel happiness or joy without my dad here. Mm. And I would say it was like there was no light at the end of the tunnel, let alone a candle flickering. It was just pure darkness. 
And I think slowly over sort of, you know, the year, the following 18 months, I took my mum and brother traveling quite a bit. We believe that traveling helped us heal quite a lot. Um, Initially as well, it's this kind of fear that everyone you love is going to die. So we we didn't even dare leave each other's side. Um, My dad was in ICU for two weeks leading up to passing away. And in that two weeks, my mum, me... And my brother slept in the same bed every night, hugging each other and praying and like, yeah. you know, everybody prays in the end. That's yeah. all I just remember thinking, like everyone prays in the end. Like we are all one phone call away from our knees. Yes, and absolutely. Yeah, it was just a really, really dark time. Um, but through the work that I've done over previous years, slowly the candles started to flicker at the end of the tunnel, mm. you know, messages from my dad and things that he'd instilled in me throughout my whole life, kind of, yeah. you know, you have to, th- you know, the end of him is not the end of me. He would never want that to be the case. He would always want me to be shining bright and yeah. it would be such a disservice to the man that he was if I didn't continue to shine. So eventually, slowly, mm. slowly, slowly, you know, the lights kind of come back on. But And what would you, what would you say... When I when I'm asked this question, because I've done a lot on suicide through my own suicide ideation and stuff like that, and I'm asked what advice can I give people who are in that situation? You can't give general advice because what's what works for me doesn't work for someone else. But what I always say is, um, this too shall pass. And what I mean by that is that when something great, often something challenging comes, and when something's really bad, obviously something good comes as well. But what general kind of insight would you give to others going through a difficult situation or having suicidal? ideation of thoughts i think that the question you have to ask is what is this trying to teach me and it took me a long time to work out the answer to that question because i'm mm. a massive believer that everything happens for a reason yeah. but for a long period of time i couldn't understand why what is the reason why my dad's been taken from me yeah and i can only come up with the fact that totally it was to right. show me I love that the lesson was to show me that there is no mountain ahead of me that I am not strong enough to conquer. Like, yeah. If I can get through this, I can get through anything. Mm. I'm like, I, I think I wrote a quote at the start of the year and it was, we're all living two lives and it's the one we're living and the one we're capable of living. Yeah. And I, th- I realized it was like, I can use this adversity, this pain and actually transform it totally. into something strong and beautiful and and also show other people like if i can do this so can you it's a bit like you've you're a bit i believe you you've got a choice I and mean, everyone's everyone's got adversity and your adversity is really um horrific mine mine's horrific as well but it's, everyone's got something worse or better and it's, it's not about that but the way i kind of look at it is there's another quote that says um two men look through the prison bars one man saw mud the other saw stars is that kind of thing it's isn't 100% it? like the same thing can happen to two people but the yeah. reaction and the response will be completely different mm. um but yeah i just think another sort of um technique as well is if you sort of lay out your entire life mm. and all the good times, you kind of color them in green and you'll have this timeline of your life and it's all green. And then the bad stuff happens, you know, a little dot of the bankruptcy maybe and a little dot of the failed company, but then they're all this green. And then the loss of my dad, which is a dark period of time, which will be a lot of red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it goes back green again. And when you stand back and you have that perspective and you look at your whole life, it's like, oh, oh, actually... And like the Peter Jones thing, when he absolutely annihilated you in, on in a you know in a global uh, setting, and then you was in the lift crying at the time, you think it's the fucking worst thing that happened. But then as time goes on, you actually it probably transpires. I've been in a situation where I've lost businesses. At the time, you think it's like the darkest thing, but 
actually what happened to me in that situation it transformed me into a completely different person with you i think it's a similar kind of thing right on, on the kind of dragon's den because i mean that's that is tough is to, to be rejected normally is quite tough but how that was done was quite public and quite brutal right yeah yeah i mean i was only in my early 20s as well and i just look back yeah. and i'm like oh my God, Laura, well done, because I would never do that now. Yeah. And I'm just like so proud of myself and not caring. I, I didn't give a shit about what those dragons said mm. or what the fact that there was millions of people watching me be completely annihilated and not even know my numbers and probably not have known my name if they'd have asked right. me. Right. Um, but there was a period of time after filming it where I knew I had six months before it would air. And it's in that period of time where you can either cry you know people yeah. go oh my god how did you come back from that and i'm like well what's the alternative sit at home and cry for the rest of my life yeah or prove them wrong yeah like, of course i'm gonna go and prove them wrong yeah so yeah i am so grateful that that went the way it did and mm. i think i needed someone at that point in my career to tell yeah. me no because before that everyone was just like yeah yeah everything you're doing is amazing it was almost like i needed that wake-up call so what would you say to peter jones now then because I, I, thanks <laughs> Thank you, Peter Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure that I thank him, but you know, hmm. um, not, I'm not, I have no animosity. I'm just because my first reaction of it was like, oh, that's a, that's a bit fierce. But actually, he was probably right. But it's how it's delivered. Is yeah. it? I mean, everyone's got a different style. I probably wouldn't use that style. But ultimately it probably did kick you on to get to that next level in a way. Well, well so. 100%. And actually, I um, actually went in my dad's garage recently and um, he's kept a copy of every single magazine that I've published over the course of the last 15 no years. Way, right, yeah. And I found the actual magazine that I took into the den and it was fucking shit. Right, so I'm like, oh my go. God, Peter Jones was <laughs> right. right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would have hated to look back and then, you know, I'm glad he said what he did See, because he wasn't wrong. This is the difference, right? There's people in this world and I, I have been guilty of, of, we can easily point the finger at Dragon's Den and, and Peter Jones, that kind of stuff, but you're taking accountability. You realise, yeah, he might have been a bit fierce, but also on reflection, it wasn't good enough. No, it wasn't. It wasn't good enough. And had he have invested in that, then... It would have failed because it was terrible. Mm. Um, so, but also the the magazine that I took into the den was a prototype. It wasn't the actual right. one that was going to be out on sale because the producers told me just put together anything, just so you've got a physical thing to give them, and then we'll yeah. let them know that it's not the real thing. But then they didn't do that and they saw me down yeah. the river. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> so your business now, you don't have offices. It's all on. You kind of got virtual people. How does it all fit together? I know you. I know you're about to exit, but how's how's that all fit together? Yeah. So. Um, when I started House of Coco magazine 10 years ago, at the time, you know, you were competing with Condé Nast Travel, Vogue. They all had these massive yeah. offices in the centre of yeah, London yeah. with, you know, huge offices with assistants who have assistants who have office dogs. And <laughs> I just thought the point of me wanting to work for myself, many reasons, but one of them was freedom. I wanted the freedom and flexibility to work from anywhere. Mm. And House of Coco was and is all about living a life of freedom, exploring the world, travelling. Right. Yeah. So why would I then sit in an office every single day? instead of practicing what I preach. Mm. So I've built the entire business remotely and I've been able to sign off proofs for the magazine on a beach in Barbados or sipping cocktails somewhere or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's so what's, the what's, so what's the per what was the purpose behind, because this is the Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast and looking at your Instagram, you obviously like the finer things in life, which is great. But I, it strikes me that as money is important to you, but what... It, is it important to you? What's your what's your relationship with money, and what's what's the reason why you're so driven to build businesses and exit and all this kind of stuff? I mean, it definitely I wasn't 
starting House of Coco with the vision of exiting. It was just purely starting it so that I could have a life lived on my own terms yeah. to make my parents proud, to create lifelong memories. So I'm, you know, never really... I don't buy into this like whole hustle culture. Yeah. I did in the early days because you really do have to hustle. But for me, it's all about balance. And I want yeah. to enjoy my life first and build my business second. So my business was really the vehicle to give me the life that mm. I wanted. Mm. So to, to have that freedom to, to, to travel and do your own thing. Um, and people always say to me, oh, my God, you must be so busy. And when I'm speaking to other publishers, they're like, oh, we just work crazy hours. And I'm like that like yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. what i signed up for yeah i will not i don't have if i put on an out of office there's no like if there's an emergency message this person because there's no such thing as an emergency and like mm -hmm. somebody else's urgency will never be my emergency so i'm very good at yeah. saying you know i don't work on these days and yeah. i'll get back to you on these days and there's no deadline that will ever yeah. take over my life so you mentioned that you ended your engagement Talk to, talk to us about that journey, that, that that chapter in your life. Oh God. So yeah, I was engaged and he, um, and this goes back to what we were saying before mm. when we talked about entrepreneurship is not for everyone. So at the time he worked for a company and he hated his job and I'm not someone who moans about things. If I moan, I'm going to make a change. Yeah, Whereas right. he would moan and moan and moan and moan. And I'm like, look, if you don't like your job, why don't you do something else? So I showed him how to sell advertising for my magazine. And within a day, he made more than he would have made in a month. Wow, right. So he said, imagine if I was doing this every day for eight hours a day. So I'm like, yay, power couple, let's do oh, this. Right. So he quit good his idea, job. Good idea, that's fine. <laughs> Great idea for about two hours. <laughs> and um, yeah, he quit his job and came to work for me, I say in inverted commas, yeah. because he never did eight hours a day. He never did two consecutive days. He right. turned into a complete not a bum he would sit up till three in the morning watching tv wow. and i felt like i was being bullied in my own home because he'd moved into my house and wow. he would want to watch tv in bed and i'd be like we have to be up tomorrow to work like we still have work to do yeah. it's not we're not on holiday yeah and we'd travel places and he wouldn't bring his laptop and ultimately i just felt like i had i was raising someone's son right, i didn't have course. a partner mm. and i was paying for everything and i just had enough so mm. that was the end of that so what's happened since then relationship-wise? Are you, are you single at the moment? Or? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like if yeah. you open the dictionary yeah. and you read the word single, there's probably a picture of me. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're happily single. I'm happily single. Yeah. The reason, the reason why I asked that question is that I, I got divorced four years ago and being single for two, three, four years now, it's probably one of the best things that's happened to me because um, I used to go from one relationship to another and I feel that that period on my own has really helped me now i feel as if i'm ready to be in a proper relationship what's your what's your feeling towards that i think that so many people f try and find happiness in another person and you first have to learn how to be happy on your own yeah. and i think throughout the course of the last two and a half years i had to learn how to be happy without my dad before i could even consider yeah. being in a relationship with someone yeah. and I think when I kind of started this health and fitness journey that I'm on you know giving up alcohol a year ago and I'm losing weight yeah it was because I realized I want to be the person I want to attract absolutely and the person that I was a year ago I wouldn't have wanted to date someone who was yeah. like that so I think there's also this so much in the mm. media and, and in our lives where it's like you have to find your other half. You have to find your other half. And yeah. I'm like, whoa, I'm a whole person. Mm. I certainly don't want another half. I want another whole person. And together we yeah. can, you know, do amazing things. Yeah, I think that's right. So I think your, your previous partner there, although it, it, it was a challenging situation, again, he was probably a gift in your life because he, he gave you 
a lens into what you don't want. Hundred percent. There is lessons in everything. Yeah. yeah. What not to do yeah. <laughs> and who not to date. So what yeah. so what's um what what is important to you in a relationship then? I think um because I do love my own company and I think mm. that's one thing that I definitely wouldn't ever um sacrifice again. So I remember my, my yeah. ex actually said to me I just want to be with you every single day. Oh my God, right. And then it was like, I remember sitting there and thinking, oh, to never have a day to myself Every minute again. of every like, single day, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Right. So I think, yeah, I think the freedom to, um, to, to continue my own life and mm. together we can do something yeah. together. But I, I just love my own company so much. Yeah. And I think when you're in a relationship with someone, they think that means you don't want to spend time with them. No. But it just means I want to spend time with me. No, but I, th I think it's healthy. I think you could be in a relationship but also be independent, not as in don't be disloyal, but I think I think go out and do your own thing to an extent and have that kind of like excitement when you do see each other. But you, you, you can be together but also have your own individualism as well yeah do you know what I mean something to talk about <laughs> yeah right 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 um so kind of moving forward then on on the kind of you talked about well-being and and fitness journey but what about mental health and the kind of well-being journey you've been on how's that been for you do you know what it's been life-changing so I yeah I quit alcohol it'll be a year next week it has been the quickest year of my life why did it's you quit both so many reasons. I felt that getting through the days without my dad was hard enough without a hangover. Yeah. Um, hang drinking alcohol was just lead leading to me eating more food. Yeah. So I'd go out for dinner with my friends, get absolutely pissed, then go home and order a takeaway, even though I had dinner oh, like totally. four hours earlier because I was so drunk. Yeah. And then I'd wake up the next day and I'd be like, did I eat something last night? And I'd go in the living room and they'd be like half eaten pizza and chips on the oh, side. And I'd be like, oh, that's so disgusting. Yeah. And then I'd be so hungover that I couldn't cook. So then I'd order more food from Deliveroo. Yeah. And I remember, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Yeah. I remember one day like sitting on my bed really hung over it's like half 11 in the morning i'm like naked on the bed <laughs> eating a pizza like an absolute slob yeah. and the window cleaner came <laughs> to wow. see me. and then also i got a delivery and the driver said to me i said oh my god i'm so hung over and he said you said that last time <laughs> and i thought Oh my totally god, lose my your, you lose your sense of awareness, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> I thought if my delivery driver knows that yeah. I'm a pisshead. Yeah, he's got like, a good perception of you, right? <laughs> yeah, he's got it right. Then I need to stop. Right. So yeah, I just um my final weekend of drinking last year, I had two nights on the on the bounce. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> one night, it's so random. I had the launch of my other business that I'm involved in, Swerf. And then I met yeah. this couple in the bar and ended up going back to their room for drinks and um dancing and all the rest of it till the early hours. Yeah. And the wife <laughs> fell asleep on the bed and the husband just started sucking my toes. No. And I just remember <laughs> I mean I actually quite liked it. Right. But then I just remember like getting home being like, why am I acting this way? Like I'm not yeah. a teenager. This is ridiculous. Yeah, this has yeah. to stop. These things you end up getting in these situations and it is it is down to the drink yeah. or whatever it is that you're doing. And and, but to be not dependent on it, but to be so um, reliant on drink to have a good time to not having it, you must have had cravings. You must have, has it been difficult or has it been I've easy? not had a single craving. Right, okay. I've not found it difficult. And that okay. is the God's honest truth. Yeah. So my job is very social. You know, you go to an event, there's champagne on arrival, cocktails on arrival. I stay in hotels every week and there's champagne in the room it's when I get everywhere, there. Isn't it's it? everywhere, It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But there is nothing more powerful than a made up mind. Yeah, and I wow. had just said, I 
I'm not drinking alcohol. And I remember yeah. a couple of days after that, I went out for dinner with my friends and I ordered um, my go-to is ginger ale in a wine glass because it looks like wine. That's and it. That's it's, it. you know, it's really low calories. Um, and, you know, they said to me, oh, do you not want some wine or whatever? And I said, oh, I don't drink. No. They were like, what? Since but, when? But the feeling of saying no and coming out of that and feeling good is is way better than having a few drinks. And I think I think it's that, 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 that um, saying about the, the short term versus the long term, isn't it? Yeah. And if you can't quit alcohol, then you are addicted. Yeah. And I don't want to live my life feeling like I'm addicted to something. So, But what tends to happen is, though, that if, if you replace one thing for another, are you addicted to anything else, do you think? No. Nothing. What areas of your life do you think you need to work on then? I'm just a perfect human being. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? I was actually trying, because, you know, I've not obviously had a job interview for years, but I was just reading something on LinkedIn about job interviews and how it's really good to have this, because I think I have a really good level of self-awareness, but I really struggle to work out like, what are my flaws? I know that probably sounds like such a dick thing to say. I I don't think it is actually, because I had this conversation, I was a guest in this this studio yesterday and I've told my story so many times, but to the point where I used to tell my story about my abandoned childhood, my abusive childhood, losing my business, losing my children, all these kind of stuff. And I never focused on the fact that I'm a good dad. And it's only up until recently where I... I kind of shied away from sinning about my wings and my and my achievements. So I, I think your approach is quite good because it, if you're not like that, it's very easy just to point to, oh, I lost the business. I fucked up on Dragon's Den. I did this, I did this, I did this. But yeah, but you've done all the great stuff as yeah. well. So I think it's important to to acknowledge and accept your Without being an arrogant mi- prick. <laughs> mistakes, but confidence versus arrogance, right? Yeah. And I, I definitely don't think that I'm an arrogant person, mm. um, but I do believe, you know, we're all on a journey and I'm still growing as a person and I'm still learning more about myself every single day. And I'm still open to, you know, new ways of thinking and input from other people and constructive feedback. And right. I just want to be like the best version. So going back myself. to the mental health and, and that kind of stuff, do you, do you struggle with any of that kind of anxiousness or depression or mental health or not? I have no ADHD. I do not have anxiety. What's wrong with you? I don't have anything wrong with you. (laughs) And you know, it's so crazy that we live in a world where the assumption Mm. is everyone has something wrong with them. Yeah, right. I don't have any mental health issues Mm. and I, I, I can boil it all down to the fact that I've lived in a beautiful, safe home. I've been loved unconditionally since the day I was born. Yeah. I've always known that I was loved and I think that foundation, when all the wild things are going on in the world, you know, failed Mm. companies, all this stuff that's gone wrong. Mm. When I'm back with my family, what is outside those four walls doesn't matter because what we have in there, yeah. money can't buy. So I think I've lived my life in a constant state of, um, what's the word? In Con- a contentment, maybe? Contentment, yeah, and perspective. Right. So do you feel that the, the cousin dying th- when he fell off the 50-foot um thing then then your parents were more protective it feels as if that was actually a, a massively defining moment i think so yeah 100 percent. and where the where we lived at the time the area that we grew up in you know all of our friends now are either dead or in prison and so yeah and my mum and dad moved us away from that area and you know 20 odd years ago and at the time i was like why are you doing this and now when i look back mm. you know they're just doing things because they love you and they want the best for you and I just have such yeah. a, a respect for for them. You know, yeah. my mum is white, my dad was black, and my mum's family were all travellers. So when they got together, right. it was like, you know, black man travellers. It was, you know, never heard of. And they've been through so much adversity as a couple to be together. Mm. Um, yeah, we just... 
I think yeah. it's just been instilled in me from yeah. a young age, really. And you, you've 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 touched on quite a few points, but the you mentioned bankruptcy as well and losing your money. I mean, that must have been very challenging for you, right? So it was the same year that I was on Dragon's Den, and right. um, I went on to prove them wrong. I launched this. What the investment I was asking for was at the time I had a Leeds magazine and I was asking for investment to launch this magazine internationally. And obviously I didn't get the investment, but I then just worked really hard, got loads of advertisers on board, worked with a distribution company, Mm. distributed the magazine in 16 countries. It came out the same weekend that Dragon's Den aired. So it sold out internationally. Great global success. And I did two editions like that. And on the back of the show, you know, you get loads of different opportunities. And one of them was to partner with the clothes show which back okay. in the day was like the biggest event in fashion. So my magazine, Cosmopolitan and Elle, were the media partner. Wow. And based on what the organisers told me, I should have made, you know, quarter of a million, half a million quid or whatever. Mm. So I put all my eggs in one basket thinking I'm going to make all this money and I made a fiver. And so right. each day I was staying at this event and it was like, I can either pay for a hotel and hope that tomorrow gets better or use this little bit of money that I've got to put some petrol in my car and go home. So after a couple of days, it was like, I just have to leave everything behind, get in the car and go home. And I was actually with a friend of mine at the time. She came with me to stay in Birmingham, Kim. Yeah. And... um just perspective again, she actually committed suicide a few years ago. So it's like the fact that, you know, I'm still here and I'm still breathing. Like the fact that I had a failed company, like it yeah. doesn't matter. These are just tiny little steps in the grand old scheme of life. And just wow. if you live in a constant state of perspective, then. Why did she do that? Totally random and un- I don't know. I don't know why she did it, but. A close friend of yours. She wasn't like a close, close yeah. friend, but I'd known her That's for a long enough. time. I'd worked yeah. with her. Um, yeah, she just has mental health issues that she obviously just couldn't mm. battle with anymore. Mm. It's actually more common than what people think, isn't it? But the whole bankruptcy thing, we not in, and the Dragon's Den thing and all that, were you not kind of like embarrassed in any way or did that not really come into it? I don't know if I've ever felt embarrassment, to be honest. Wow. I don't, I'm not really someone who feels embarrassed. Yeah. I just think we should just own who we are and yeah. own our decisions and like, yeah, right. Who ca- because I don't care what other people think. Yeah, and I think that's like the ultimate freedom. So how how do you how do you coach someone? Because you strike me as someone who's who's very positive. Because with with um, social media, I think that people claim to be authentic, but you see that they're, not, they're they're a little bit filtered. They're not quite there. I th- I feel you present yourself in a very unfiltered. This is me kind of way. And that comes quite naturally to you. It's not, but it's not easy for others. What, what do you say to anyone who's struggling with that kind of confidence piece? This is fucking me, warts and all. How do you? Because I think what people are trying to do is they're trying to be the the me, the version of them that they think everyone else wants them right. to be. And it's like you just have to be the person. Like it's not about how you feel when you're with other people. It's about mm. how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. There's so many people who hate their own company, don't like to be by themselves. And I love being by myself with my own thoughts. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I gave up alcohol as well, because you're you're really truly living in the moment and there's no escape. I'm not escaping my thoughts anymore. Whereas people drink alcohol to kind of escape their thoughts and they have FOMO, which most people think is fear of missing out. But I think it's fear of meeting oneself. Because if you remove all these distractions and you remove this alcohol and cocaine or whatever it is yeah, that is your yeah. vice then you're just stuck totally. with your thoughts and i think everyone just needs to learn to love themselves as themselves yeah and realize that 
people other people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are no, anyway because no. everyone's too busy thinking about themselves no but if you need cocaine and I, I used to do that kind of stuff and drink i still drink but i don't do cocaine anymore but or or some people will go well, i've got to go out for a run i've got to, i've got to go and do something no you haven't the ability just to sit on your sofa and just fucking feel and do nothing is just like i think it's one of the best things you can do and embracing the negative the so-called negative feelings as well you're not yeah. always going to feel happy, are you? No. When you're feeling anxious or when you're feeling shameful, it's it's something telling you that you've got to do something about that. You can't just cover it up with something else. But like what you said, this too shall pass. And we should all just remember we've got enough life experience right. to know that when we've had a shit time, good times will come. Yeah. It's like day yeah. full as night, sunsets every day, right? rises every morning does they good times come bad times come and it's some for some reason it's almost like everybody's been brainwashed into believing life is supposed to be easy Mm. and like life was never supposed to be easy i believe the reason we're all here is to learn our lessons and it's just about working out what is the lesson in every single situation as quick as possible have you found it difficult as a as a uh a woman or a certain uh, race to do you feel there's any disadvantage because there's, there's a lot of talk about men versus women and you know equality and sexism that kind of stuff any, anything that's happened to you in that area at all no no because i think people focus way too much on this i mm. think people focus way too much on being female being black i'm mixed race very proudly mixed race i'm so honored to yeah. have grown up with a black family and a white family right. and to see the two different cultures but I am not defined by my skin color, the fact that yeah. my gender. Why these, lead? You're saying why, why lead, lead, lead with, with that? that? Why lead with that thing that you can't even control? Like, I've why am that. I going to talk about being a mixed race woman all the time when yeah. that's not even in my control? What is in my control is having a pure heart and a you know care, yeah. a caring, loving soul yeah. and looking out for people, wanting everyone to win, having these good personality traits. I can control that. Mm. I can't control the fact that I'm mixed race. So I don't yeah. think about it. I, th- I think there's an element of it. But I, I, as you say, I think people just, this is quite a controversial thing to say. I'm not dismissing that there isn't inequality and all this kind of stuff. I want to caveat that. But I do think there's an element, even with the mental health, to a certain degree, you can play that card. But... Mate, if you compare yourself to other people, you're way better. You're actually quite privileged. And people don't. People just they just get in this society. I think they just they just latch onto things and use utilize that as an excuse almost. But if the most interesting thing about you is the fact that you're male or female, right? Or you know, mm. black or white. If that's the most interesting thing about you, yeah. then you're a boring twat. <laughs> you yeah, know what right, I mean? Right, if that's right. all you've got to talk about, like yeah. what are you doing with your life? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I, I'm I'm in a privileged position to say those things so openly because I am mixed race mm. and I'm a woman, so it's almost like I get to say it. But I mean, I was I was on a on a on a LinkedIn live like a couple of months ago, and um, I was a guest on the show, and then we people were coming on and asking me questions, and I misgendered somebody. And I got thrown so much fucking shit for that. It was like, um, it was genuine mistake. I didn't know it was, it was a, there was a, a they, them as opposed to, a, it's like there's so many, and I, 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 honestly, I, I tried not to react to it. I just, I, I played the game of kind of being quite, yes, I didn't apologize, but I kind of like, was quite subservient. And afterwards I thought, fuck's sake, man, you know, I think it can go a bit too far. Well, for me, my integrity is important <laughs> and integrity to me means mm. my thoughts match my words and then my words match how I feel. So mm. I'm only ever telling the truth. Yeah, right. And I agree. I do think things have gone way too far. Mm. Um, you know, if someone wants to be called he, she, but you're ultimately asking me to lie. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, you know, it's like, 
If yeah. you're if you're a male in a dress, but you want me to call you she, mm. then you're telling me to lie. Yeah. But then right. I can see the other argument, which is like, well, who created these social constructs? Yeah. Who said that this is male and this is female? Yeah. But also, why fucking delve that deep into yeah, it? Like, I there's know. so much more I know. I know. happening. Like, we're only here for such a short period of time. Why would you want to dedicate your life to talking about gender yeah. and things that we can't control when there's this beautiful world to explore and there's beautiful relationships yeah. to explore? And I think I think I'm a bit, a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. I have to say, I think. But I, I, I don't I, think you are a conspiracy no, theorist. I already it, know. I think you're just a realist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's right. And I think this whole kind of, that, that that agenda, the COVID agenda. I have to say, all these things are there to distract us. Oh and, my God, and that's why I'm grateful that I'm an entrepreneur, uh, because I don't conform to any of that shit. To be yeah, with you. same, <laughs> same. I just like it. I, yeah, especially being the owner of a travel magazine at the time where everyone was saying, you know, you've got to get the vaccine. But I remember a quote, we all grew up with it, and it was about um, if you can keep your head when all those around you yeah, are losing theirs. Yeah, you know, it was, yeah, yeah, it was years yeah, and years and yeah, years ago, and yeah. it was that's what we've just been through. You know, totally. everyone went absolutely fucking bananas, yeah, yeah, injected yeah. themselves with all sorts of crap, it's has so in, many side effects oh, now, but can't even so. understand that. It's because they did that thing. Yeah, yeah. And I stand here knowing that I can be so strong yeah. to overcome all of that yeah. and not have once been wavered no. or um, influenced and sit here yeah. with my body intact. I've, I've, I've lost friends over it and, uh, you know, and I just, I just look at it and um, I, I think that I wouldn't want to disrespect myself, but even if they're close friends and if, if they want to force their opinions down my throat and I, you know, I've been deemed as the, as as the, as, the, as the mad, crazy one who hasn't got the one who hasn't got a nine to five. Who you know, who's got the picket fence and the wife and the car and the house and that kind of stuff. Because I'm a bit entrepreneurial, and I've I've taken lots of risks in my life. And I th I think actually the biggest risk is not taking risks. Yeah, All that, that kind is of literally. Stuff, right? um, but which one would you rather be? Yeah. And when you think about the people that you admire, it's the ones that are out there and they're a little bit yeah. different, you know, and it's people who never really try, but they admire the outliers. Yeah. And it's like, we all admire that one person who did something different. So why wouldn't you want to be that person too? Yeah. Yeah. And I always say that I, I prefer to regret something I've done than I haven't done as well. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I don't regret anything. No, that was my next question, which I knew the <laughs> yeah. answer to already, but I, I don't regret anything. And it's a question yeah. that I love asking people myself, like, do you have any regrets? And I asked mm. this woman that I knew recently and she'd regretted all sorts. She regretted having kids so late. She regretted yeah. all this stuff. And I said, I don't have any regrets, but if I got to the end of my life and I'd never truly been yeah, right. the best version of myself, I'd regret that. And then that was the turning point for so like there's no, alcohol. no bad decisions or anything like that you no can No bad decisions. To. It's a decision, whether it's good or bad, it's a decision. It's all just a stepping stone <laughs> to get, I believe that our paths are mapped yeah. out for us and we're going where we're going, but yeah. sometimes we just got to weave different ways. And So would you say you're happy? 100%. What makes you happy? Yeah. Um, knowing that my family is safe and well, spending time with them, traveling, Switzerland, nature. Oh, wow. Switzerland's I've never my been favorite to Switzerland. Place. Oh my God, stop. I've been 10 times. 10? Yeah. Bloody hell. I say people go to therapy, I go to Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing. What, what is it about it? Well, first of all, I think it's because it reminds me of Yorkshire and right. I'm Leeds born and bred. So I'm slightly oh, passionate about that. Right, right. Also, it's just so clean, the mountain air, mm. it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I just, just love it. I think it's just the way it makes me feel when I get there. Have you had therapy? No, I don't. I'm not a believer in any of right. that. Okay. I believe that we can all be our own therapy. I think what it is, is everyone is always looking for someone else to 
fix their problems mm. but really the only person that can fix your problems is that one person staring you back when you look in the mirror yes you just have to dig deep but the deeper i dig the more gold i find mm. Mm. do you feel that um there's almost nothing now that can affect you, you i mean you've had you've lost you've had grief you've lost businesses do you, do you not think that sometimes when these things happen to you you kind of like you become emotionless in a way i'm definitely not emotionless but I just live in perspective. So now that I know that I can find joy and happiness since losing my dad, there is nothing. I've got you. There is nothing that can happen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I know I can't get through. Nothing. Yeah. I think that, that that relates that relates to me quite a lot. Because when I was two, my mum abandoned me when I was two. And then my stepmom, five or ten years later, sorry, used to beat me up and abuse me. And so the first two female figures in my life were horrendous to me. But it, that gave me my drive and my 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 sort of insatiable belief to go. Actually, you can't. Life can't. You can't do anything more to me now. And I just went for it. And sometimes ad ad adversity can be the the, the toughest thing, but the best thing for you, right? Because if those things didn't happen to you, you wouldn't yeah. be sitting here today having had the journey that you had. No. I was at a, an awards night on Friday, and it was the Yorkshire Children of Choice Awards or something. And it was all mm. these young kids who had, you know, disabilities or real adversity at such young ages, but they'd gone on to do amazing things. You know, hiking. Kilimanjaro, all yeah. this stuff. Wow. But had they have not had that disability or had they have not yeah, had that adversity, course. they never would have done that thing. Yeah. So actually, you know, when you, when you read every single success story you've ever read, it all links back to some form of adversity. Yeah. And everyone has adversity. It's just how you react to it. Mm, it's been fascinating. We're coming to the, to the close now. The, the time's gone quickly. Just a couple more questions for me. Um, what pisses you off? If anything, slow drivers. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually really pretty zen person. Yeah. I don't really get angry. I don't get like pissed off about anything. I'm just yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, I don't like to harbor resentment or anger. I just like let mm. things go. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't really say anything gets me angry. No. But if you cross my family, then that would get me angry. Yeah, you strike me as the sort of person that you probably get haters and people trying to. How do you do? You, do you not entertain it, or do you block people out? How do you kind of deal with the the, the twats of this world, for want of a better term? Well, we have to know that ninety five percent of the world is twats. Yes, so. very true. But um, I actually reposted my clip from Dragon's Den on Instagram a few weeks ago, and it's had one point five million views, nice. and it's gone viral and had thousands of comments. And every single negative comment is from a man, and there's all sorts yeah. of negative comments. And I just yeah. read them, and I'm like, it just says more about you than it does about me. Totally. And thanks for the engagement. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I, I think people can take so much from your positive outlook what as a pass, passing gift for the audience a new young entrepreneur or person coming into the world they're sort of 15 16 17 18 or even younger what advice would you give them about life business and anything else do you know what i probably wouldn't have listened to any advice when i was younger because mm. we all just need to work it out by ourselves so i would say no advice is the best advice just right. wing it make it up just 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 go, well just take action I just think, take action yeah, yeah yeah take action and just never fall out of love with life yeah yeah laura absolute pleasure thank, thank you for you. coming on the show no my pleasure really nice to meet you 